This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends. And they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder, do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Scrunchies, so many Every single dude, all the dudes. And we couldn't help but wonder. With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Help But Wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to to us. us. Hi, my love. Hi, my love. How are you? Great to see you. Great to see you. We're doing a morning recording, which I I really love. It's a great way to start the day. It's so zesty. It is so zesty. So spicy. I don't know about you, Mm. but my brain is alive, alert from nine to three, and then it dies. Mm. I can't work at night. I tried to work last night, and I was like, nope. Yeah. It's interesting because sometimes I, it's definitely not interesting. I start, I need to stop <laughs> starting sentences with that because it's just literally couldn't be like, I just said literally, by the way, it literally couldn't be. speaking, it's not that interesting. But no, I, I have spurts where sometimes at like 7 p.m. I'm like, I think it has, I think it comes from guilt. I'm just like, oh, maybe I should get off the couch and stop watching TV and just like start working on my laptop oh, in the that's office. That's a good idea. But it never happens. But I do have these like bursts of like, what if I were this person who like, whatever, pulls all nighters. <laughs> it's very romantic. Very Edgar Allan Poe. I feel like he probably pulled a lot of all nighters. Gal, speaking of who were you this week? Um, this week, I'm going to say that this week I was a bit of a Miranda. I feel like I'm going to have a run of feeling like different versions of Miranda. Um, for those of you who have listened to the pod before, I am in the position of um, being an EP and host of my own show. Pew, and pew, pew. Yeah. Pew, pew. Um, but it just started. Um, we've only been in pre-production about a week and a half, and uh, I already had to fire someone, which I didn't do myself because I am too much of a coward. Um, and also I was told by my producers who were over Did you me, use like a ventriloquist doll to fire the person? No, there was uh, no real people did real firing. Um, no, my showrunner and my producer handled it. Uh, they handled it. Consider it <laughs> he's handled. <dead. laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's definitely his body. He's, is in, the- he's in a ravine now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, it was just kind of. It was just strange. The whole thing was strange. Um, I was basically just in a place where um, the person was hired for a creative position. And I I just kept feeling irritated 
and not knowing why. And then when the notion of, oh, maybe we should fire did that it come, person. Did you think of it or did somebody plant the seed? I I'm, I'm I probably planted the seed. I was right. definitely telling the people who are above me, my producer and my showrunner, like so I, something right. is not right. And I wondered if it was me. That's where my mind always goes is like, am I just being sensitive? Do I just have like first season jitters? I'm trying to get this thing off the ground. I'm feeling very anxious. You and I have worked together in a TV capacity. I can be nervous. But I can be nervous. Normal. And also it'll be different. Knock on all the wood. When we get a second season, this isn't made of wood. This is made of wood. That's fake wood. Shit. There's no wood. Anyways, <laughs> point is, have an erection? <laughs> let me knock on it, please. Um, but yeah, I, I just, um, I think, think that once it's a more well-oiled machine, I will relax in some capacity, but because I just, this whole thing is just completely intangible. It's just a concept right now. There's no, there's no proof of anything. I think I'm just in this place of being like, I hope I'm doing this right. And so I think that that feeling carried over to me wondering if I was doing it right by wanting to get rid of someone from the team. And then the moment, the, the not the moment it happened, the moment it happened, I got a call that it, that it had taken place that the firing had happened and then I uh had nightmares about the person all night long couldn't sleep tossing and turning feeling guilty woke up literally just feeling sick like I can't believe I did that I can't believe I took a job away from someone like I just feel like a total monster and then um and then the next day when I went into work it was like a weight had been lifted. It's amazing. It was the best feeling. We were so productive. Everything just sort of moved smoother. Everyone was like complimenting, complimenting each other's jobs. It's like everyone like more. like was like better looking, younger, fresher. Kind of. All of a sudden, everyone's acne was gone. I mean, honestly, <laughs> emotionally, yes. A couple it really people lost was ten like, pounds, grew a couple inches. It was just like it was a complete. Uh, it was just like a complete transformation. And it's so. I guess I was coming at it from this place of like, oh, we need to add someone. Like I kept being. Like, we need more people. We need more. And it's interesting how when you take away, I feel bad saying this, but when you take away dead weight, you realize <laughs> that the strengths of all of the people in your team can just shine brighter. And um, so, yeah, I'm all about maybe taking away and not adding. That's my new business philosophy. That's my new Miranda philosophy. Well, as your friend, um, I think that you have really good creative instincts. Thank and you for saying that. Yeah, and it's like, I think it's totally understandable to be scared and double question yourself when you have to do something that's unpleasant. Yeah, triple and quadruple question. It was a lot of... Of course, it was a day a and night, maybe a couple of, days. Yes. But, but ultimately... You followed your gut, which is always correct. And it was correct. Yeah. And so you should be really proud of yourself. And if anything, this should be further evidence. Whenever I make a choice and it ends up being the right choice, it builds my confidence because yeah. it makes me think, oh, when I think something, it's correct. Like, I don't mean to say everything I think is correct, but it's good lesson. And the next time this happens, the next time there's a, a bridge and do I go here or here? Yeah. And your instinct is telling you something. You remember, hey, remember when I thought that I should fire that person and I did and it was absolutely correct? Well, this decision, what I think is correct, is also probably correct. That is a great point. That's a really good point. It's totally confidence building. It makes you trust yourself more. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you kind of only have yourself at the end of the day. So it's nice when you're like, oh, hey, self, thanks for having my back, self. Like yeah. you really are like my my little buddy. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Also like I know you and you I don't know like it's of course you're stressed. You're it's your show, but I don't I guess 
it's easier to say this as an outsider when it's yourself. You you question everything, but sure. like you don't make like irrational, reactive. You're not like known for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and guess it's, not it's like, yeah, yeah. no, I I, that's, yeah, I'm glad I'm, I appreciate that. Cause I, I think I, I think I see myself as more reactive sometimes. And, um, I, I do think you're right. I actually don't think I'm that reactive. So maybe I need to remember that for later on down the road, yeah, but you make I, good I try to not jump at every whim that I'm you feeling. Don't. Yeah, yeah. I do. I try. I try. I don't know if I'm whatever. Anyways. Also, even if you have a season five of this show, you're never going to be relaxed because you're the EP and the star. So yeah. I don't think the goal is that one time you're going to just like come in on a skateboard with like Ray-Bans in the back of your head. That's never going to happen. Oh my God. Like Bart Simpson. <laughs> yeah, you're not Bart Simpson okay. and you never will be. Okay. You're, you're always... Damn it. <sighs> but it's okay. It's he like such cool spiky hair. The truth is, if you care about something, you're never going to be chill about it. That goes for everybody. Yeah. If it's you're chill, true. you don't care. You know? Yeah, if you're chill, you don't care. This The person that got fired was very chill. Um, yeah, like <laughs> critically chill. Um, critically and criminally. I see you. He's too chill. <laughs> Way we too chill. him a couple times. Yeah, maybe. Honestly, that is probably what like made me feel not at ease was just like, how are you so relaxed? No, you should. It's a, it's a new show. You Everyone's got to be like full <laughs> you know, vigilant. Yeah, vigilant. Yeah, that's, a great, like, that's a great word. Vigilant. You yeah, want vigilant. Because it's like, this needs to get renewed. And so we all need to yeah. work like at 700% to make it happen. Right. And I want to like win Emmys and like you need a little stress to like make that happen. Yeah. You think people. It's a thing of like if it's if it's comfortable, you're not doing it right. Like everyone needs to feel a little uncomfortable, I think. Of course, the 30 Rock writers were up until two in the morning writing those episodes. Mm -hmm. You think they were having a good time? (laughs) God, I just became this like Bronx Jewish grandpa. They were having a good time. Goodness gracious. Get in there and write some jokes and don't you sleep for nothing. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Who are you this week? Tell me. I wish I always feel like all of my personal things are like it's boulder heavy. I know what you're thinking. And I and I just want to say it's it's not boulder heavy. It's the yin to the yang. Yeah. I'm also such a goddamn yin. It's okay. Okay. well, yang it up. I'm not emotional about talking about it because I'm way better. But I'm going to be very real about this podcast. I kind of was talking about my egg journey. Yes. Um, I've been Charlotte for a while. You might have, you might be Miranda for a while, but I've been Charlotte for a while with the dog and the fer- fertile fertility stuff. And basically, um, I'm going to be 36 in a couple of weeks. I do want to have children. I am single. And also I have a ways to go with my career. So I don't feel like I'm going to be ready to have kids until like maybe 39 or 40. Which for lots of women is fine. Yeah. But that's the reason I wanted to freeze my eggs because I'm not ready to do that right now. So the whole point of freezing eggs is it's kind of like insurance for the future because who knows how fertile they're going to be at 39 or 40. So at my age, the goal, the dream is to freeze 10 eggs. If you freeze 10 eggs, you have a 90% chance of getting a pregnancy from those eggs. That's a really, really large chance. Yes. So the doctors don't tell you this is what we want from you. This is what we hope. Nobody puts any pressure on you. But that was the number I had in my head that I was like crossing my fingers for. You go in for ultrasounds every other day. And it looked like I had about six or seven good size follicles that could be eggs, maybe more God willing. 
By the end of the hormone treatment, you give yourself four shots a day. I was really was four, four shots a day. I have bruises all over my Ooh, body. I know you showed me some. Your it's poor horrible. Tummy. Yeah. And I was starting to get really sick of doing it. I was sick of being poked every, you know, you're doing four shots a day. And then can you're I getting... ask a quick question just because I feel like our listeners might be sure, interested sure. Um, when you do the shots. Does it get to because you were saying in the beginning it wasn't as bad as you thought it, it would got be worse and worse. It does get worse. Not for okay. pain, but like you just start feeling in addition to four shots a yeah, day, every other day you're getting your blood taken. It's a lot of poking. You're bruised. It's exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. By the end of it, I was really cranky and just wanted to be fucking over. You're so, a hero. That's that, Gal, I've told women you, are doing this everywhere. I know. And I've told you, I think we talked about it on the pod. I specifically have always had a lot of anxiety around having blood drawn because I have very little shit veins. And so I was told that pokes it's stuff. lots of poking, a lot of missing. And yeah, I just have a lot of trauma from um, having bad experiences. So when you say that, I'm like, oh, you're an actual hero Girl, like that, honestly, that part is the part that is keeping me from freezing my eggs it's is worrying bad. about how because I mean literally I have anxiety for weeks having knowing that I'm gonna have to have a blood test just like at a routine gynecological appointment or something like that so anyway sorry to interrupt keep going no it's it's really hard and I was getting really cranky and sensitive I got a little depressed while I was on the hormones after all this work I finally go in for my retrieval um, you go and then for some reason I was having anxiety the night before my retrieval because you go under un, under anesthesia yeah. and for some reason I was having this like existential panic like what if I don't wake uh. up from this like what if I like die in this thing uh. of course everything was fine but I go there I get the retrieval I wake up for 10 minutes, I feel okay. And then it was all of a sudden like mm. nine out of 10 stabbing pain. I vomited. My mom <gasps> was there and I was like, I need, I need medicine. I need medicine. They gave me pain medicine. I calmed down. As soon as I was calm, they're like, you have four eggs. And I was so upset. I was crying. Mm, Rose. And it's okay. It's like, actually, it's kind of like making me cry now. You're right. You but, can cry on this podcast. Yeah, it's it allowed. Just, it was so disappointing. It was like, it's like so expensive. It's so much work. You know, and then four eggs is so low. It's like such a disappointing number. And four eggs isn't even how many you're definitely going to have. That's what they got out. The next day they tell you how many they're going to freeze. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just like mm-hmm. not as fertile as I wanted to be. It just like brought yeah. up all these questions of like, am I even going to be able to have kids? Right. And then the next day they called to say I had two eggs is mm-hmm. what they end up freezing. And I was just like. This was so fucking like, I mean, two eggs. That's what like, a process. It's not Unbelievable. even, it's not even really insurance. Like I froze my eggs, but I didn't really do anything. It's like nobody gets pregnant on two eggs. It's like you hear these stories about people that get pregnant on frozen eggs and it's like they froze 15 eggs and it's like the 15th one they get pregnant. And so, yeah, I guess I am emotional when I talk about it. Cause it's like, you know, it's emotional because you just assume you're going to have babies and it's going to be easy and it's not going to be this like hard thing and then it's just crazy to realize that like as a woman like you don't have all the time that you think you have and like you're not as fertile as you think you you hope to be and like it is there is an existential element to it it's just like it's just because we all feel I think also you're such a young vibrant person with so much energy and you're so smart and you're so sharp and you're so fun like it almost is that thing of like 
it doesn't match how you feel as a person. And I think that that's also something that's confusing to women where it's like, we don't feel like we're at an age where we need to be worrying about our future because on so many other levels, everything is just kind of in a great place. Like we feel more confident. We feel like we're coming into our own as people and we're making big choices. And there's all this sort of like confidence and security that's bubbling up in one way. And then biologically, it might not be reflected the same way. And that's always to me, it's like so unbelievable that what women have to deal with in that capacity. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, as a member of like the prolonged adolescence, you know, as yeah. somebody who's kind of just been focusing on like being an artist in my career. And I I'm not really on the quote unquote track of like married kids, blah, blah, blah. It's like emotionally, it's fine to put that stuff off, but physically and biologically, it's not. And, you know, my mom had really early menopause. She had menopause in her early 40s. Mm. And it's just been intense. It's just like a couple of days. I, I just cried now, but I've been feeling really good because I'm off the hormones and I'm back to working and I'm back to being myself. And do the hormones kind of fade from your system quickly? Like no, what is the it's still dropping it's, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first couple of days after that thing, I was like, oh, I'm maybe not going to fucking be able to have kids or like I might have to get pregnant like really soon for that to happen like I don't think I have the kind of body and fertility where like I can wait till I'm 41 and then have a baby that's mm -hmm. just doesn't sound like it's gonna happen so I'll be fine everything is fine it's not like a death sentence it's not like I can't have kids it's just it's such an intense process to go through it's so expensive it's so hard on the body mm -hmm. and then to get so few eggs that it almost doesn't count was just like wildly disappointing. Mm. So I'm okay. I'm not in a bad mood. It's just, if I talk about it, I get emotional. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would think so. <laughs> yeah. So it's anyway, a lot to put yourself through my big overshare. I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, well, I think it's so great too, that you're so transparent about the process. Cause I think that at least in LA, maybe women are starting to talk more about it and there's more of an, a destigmatization destigmatization happening um, but I don't think that's true everywhere and I think there's still a lot of work to be done where people are having these types of conversations and yeah. being honest about it so yeah and if any I of the listeners it's really have important that you're talking about thank it. you if listeners have questions please please email or uh, reach out to us via Instagram always always because also like once I started Instagram about this I have multiple friends who are even younger than I am who couldn't even do the egg freezing because mm. they had such few eggs so it's you're not alone if you have low fertility or whatever you know hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go 
to season two, episode three, The Freak Show. Because, fuck this. Oh my God. Season two, episode three, The Freak Show. Baby, kick it off. This episode is all about the dog-eat-dog world of dating. You think you're jaded about men? Meet Miranda. We start on Samantha making out with a guy named Harrison, and things are heating up until he throws ice on the fire by referencing Samantha's age. Big no-no. Big mistake. Samantha, who's in total denial of being in her 40s, excuses herself to go in the bathroom to collect herself, a.k.a. harshly judge her face in the light. When she comes back into the bedroom, Harrison is missing. I'm here, he shouts from his hiding spot. Samantha opens the closet to find he's all tied up in the world's lamest sex dungeon, no spanks. The next night, the gals get together for a freaky gab sesh. I'm sorry, if a man is over 30 and single, there's something wrong with him. It's Darwinian. They're being weeded out from propagating the species. Okay, what about us? We're just choosing. I'm getting more shrimp. You know, the worst part of the date was Harrison actually thought I was 40. (laughs) Really? Really. Do you think I look 40? If Samantha's past four birthdays taught me anything, it was that there is only one answer to a question like that. You don't look a day over 35. This is a great party. I just met the most amazing guy, Mitchell Saylor. When Charlotte really liked a guy, she said his whole name. It helped her to imagine their future monogram towels. Mitch Saylor? Yeah, do you know him? Oh, honey, I know of him. What is that supposed to mean? Ladies, I suggest you join me in the bathroom. He's Mr. Pussy. Mr. Who? Suddenly, Charlotte's monogram towels were looking very different. He's renowned. He loves going down on women. He's so cute to be so nasty. That's disgusting. I told you there'd be something. He's a legend. He's just amazing at eating pussy. Would you please just stop calling it that? Oh, fine. Going down, giving head. Eating out? Never understood that. Shouldn't it be eating it? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You do do that, right? Of course. I just... I don't have to talk about it. The reality was, the only thing that went down with any regularity on Charlotte's dates was a gold American Express card. Forget it. I'm not dating anyone who's known as Mr. Pussy. Why not? Well, maybe I want more than that. Oh, sweetie, if a man is good at that, there is nothing more. Amen. Shouldn't it be called eating in? It's the best line. Yeah, it's so good. There's so many good lines. Hashtag Jenny Bix. Yeah. Jenny Bix. Um, Gal... If a man is single over 30, there's something wrong with him, Miranda says. Thoughts? I think that's pretty harsh. So harsh. Yeah, over 30 is really young. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's harsh. I think that, I mean, I, I do think that as we, I've said this on the podcast before, but as we get older, I do think we become more solidified in who we are. And we do, to a degree, become less compromising for like what we want out of life um, in a good way, in a like higher self-esteem thinking we deserve more way. Um, and I do think with men, that's probably quadrupled, like even more. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, probably men in their, you know, late forties, early fifties, I, yeah, I think that they're pretty, pretty sort of steeped in bachelor status at that point. It doesn't mean they can't come out of it, but I think it is more difficult. We have a mutual friend who was recently had a tryst with a guy in his fifties who had never been married. Mm. And he was, like, married to the road on his motorcycle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think Miranda's being too hard, but I, I think there is a number where if a guy is, like, late 40s, 50s, I agree with you that 
it's a bit of a flag. It's just, I think it's just a little more difficult. Like my aunt is divorced and she um, has a boyfriend now and he was married before and my aunt was married before. And I think I just said she was divorced and I can't remember. Anyways, uh, whatever. They're both, they're both, this is a new relationship for both of them. They were both married. And yeah, I, I, they, neither of them even like want to get married again. Um, but my aunt will sometimes talk to me about the guy in, in a way that's just kind of like, you know, that's just how he is. Like, it's very just like, yeah, it's not it's not even a settling perspective. It's more just like I am who I am. He is who he is. And there's not really as much compromise, I would say. They are just sort of like two people coexisting in a relationship versus I feel like when you're younger, it's like, well, what do you need? What do you want? Like, you're always having these like conversations, even when it's like early stages of dating. And yeah, that's I would say, um, yeah, uncompromising. Maybe in a good way. Maybe it's easier. You Maybe it's a boundary. I have to say, I don't think it's good when I know plenty of women, good friends of mine, who've made a list of qualities they want in a man. Yeah. And then they like hide the list and then they get married and they're like, oh my God, he had so many things off the list. I actually think that's really micromanaging and weird to have a list. To have the list, yeah. Yeah, and I also just think that it's part of that thing that we had talked about before. It's like, there is no perfect person. You're not perfect. And yeah. I just think it's too much. But the one thing, like... I have two requirements for for a partner Mm -hmm. and it's somebody who's positive. Mm -hmm. I can't be with a negative, cynical, like glass half empty person. That's like one of my big turnoffs. Like somebody who's like excited about life is generally in a good mood is like extremely essential. It's also like I can go into my own head and feel negative anytime I want. It's right there. So if I want to associate with someone, I would hope that they build me up versus reinforce something that I already feel. I just kind of feel like it's even with friends or anybody. I just feel like life is short and being around someone negative is so depressing. That's terrible. That, like a positive person, that's like a quality that like ages so well. But the other quality that I think is really important in a person, and I hope to consider myself like this, is somebody that has a growth mindset. Yeah. That's somebody who wants to be growing their entire life and like always be working on themselves, always be investigating, always be open to changing. And I feel that way. Like if somebody says to me, hey, Rose, you did this thing and it kind of hurts my feelings. My first thought is not, well, tough shit. That's how I am. Yeah. My first thought is, oh, shit. I didn't know I was doing that. OK, thank you for telling me because I want to be like a person that makes you feel good. So I think there are men and women who have growth mentalities and men and women who have hardened yeah. shell mentalities. Yeah. Ooh, so, I love shell mentality. Yeah. And it's just kind of like. I think you get to choose what kind of person you want to be with. Yeah. And you also might attract the same kind of person. Oh, I would imagine. I would think it's hard for someone who's an, a growth open person to be with a shell person. I think that that ultimately would be a big challenge. Not that it couldn't work, but it might be tricky. Um, also, the thing that I wanted to flag, this clip is very loaded. There's a lot happening. Um, I, you know, we also are dealing with Samantha being told by a guy that she's old, which is uh, really rude, really. Well, and it's also just devastating because women are judged so harshly for our looks. We're valued by them. And, you know, Samantha is someone who is successful and has a lot of sexual and sexual empowerment. And I think to have someone in bed with you when you're at your most vulnerable and to have them sort of reduce you to that or see you that way is just what a what a knife to the stomach that is and then now she's like in this place where she's throughout this whole episode being like what can I do to fix myself and um, it's just a it's a really slippery slope because you obviously can't stop the aging process and ultimately you know you have to sort of be 
in a place mentally where you know that you're enough and that you're not fully defined by your looks. Um, and that's like an interesting thing to watch Samantha struggle with and to see how it sort of manifests itself where she's like asking Carrie, like, do you think I look old? Like her best friend. She's like, am I OK? Am I enough? It's just like very traumatic to watch. I completely, and very relatable. I completely agree. I'm glad you brought that up, too, because, yeah, I, I'm very glad you brought it up because I think there's one way to read this clip that we just heard and say, God, she's really neurotic. Why is she so worried? But there is no circumstance where a woman is in a romantic situation with a man and he says, calls you an older woman. There's no circumstance at all where that's a compliment unless you're 25 and he's 24 and they're joking. Yes. But if, if you actually are older, yeah, that's just an insult. It's not even passive aggressive. It's just aggressive. He also says, what are you 40, 41? It's like, ew, like the whole thing is just, I'm glad. And also, why is that bad? You want to fuck me? Why does it matter what my age is? Like, do you have to put me in a box where it's like, like Samantha is hardly a charity case. Samantha could be Ooh, 67 that. years old and it'd be like, oh, you're lucky to fuck Samantha. She's great at fucking and she's really hot and she's unlike pretty much every woman. Like she's what we all wish we had a little more of, I think. I'm really glad you said that because... Again, I think the first read of watching that is like, God, Samantha's so sensitive. But it's like, well, if somebody pokes the beehive, like you're going to get agitated. She's also sensitive because she I believe that Samantha knows she's more than just a number. And I think that it felt like he was reducing her to something. And I think deep down she really is like, no, I'm so much more than that, which is why she's. She's so, I mean, you know, obviously she gets older and older as the show goes and nothing stops her. She ends up dating a model who's like, you know, obsessed with her. So it's like, you know what? I don't know. I was in the Hamptons in my 20s at some party and she was there (sighs) and she was with a guy in real life who was like, at least a decade younger amazing. and she looked amazing and he looked She's amazing. So and fabulous. That's kind of, yeah. But you know, I think that we're, we're also, we've, we talk about aging a lot on this show because as a woman, it's unfortunately like a thing. It slaps you think us about. across the face every day of our lives. It does. And, uh, one thing I'm trying to train myself, it's really easy to be like, Samantha, girl, you look great. Don't be worried about this. But it's nothing that we all don't worry about. So I can't say that. It's hypocritical. But I will say something I'm trying to change my mind about that is she's really hung up on, do I look 40? And the truth is, Samantha does look like she's in her 40s. Uh, I look like I'm in my 30s. It's okay to look your age and there's such a thing as looking your age and looking great like yeah. you can look be, look like you're 40 and be fucking stunning and yeah. it's it's not necessarily about like the only way to be attractive is, is look like 22. you're 25 yeah because exactly if that's what we're gonna do to ourselves it's a losing game because it's like you know i watch stuff even people that look great j-lo is 50 and she looks great for 50 but she doesn't look 25 she doesn't look 30 she doesn't look 40 she is 50 like yeah and so i think if we can even as women it's like baby steps it's like the true goal is not to attach our self-worth to looks but like i'm sorry that's not going to happen in the next five generations that's like in the when we're living on mars maybe yeah but like a baby step that maybe we could try is like not is like 
not worrying about do I look 40, but do I look good? It's still super superficial, but like maybe that's no, a small no, I, I think that, step yeah, for it's, mankind. It's like, that, it's like that exercise you see in so many women's magazines where it's like, look great at any age. Like, I do think we need to refocus to being like, it's okay to look your age. What we need to work on is not shaming that number. Yes, I think that's right. Saying, what are you, 40, 41? Why is 41 Why are you in even 2019? Asking? How could 41 be considered old? The only way you're old is when you're old. Old is old like we gotta we have to recalibrate yeah it's like spectrum the spectrum it's not it doesn't start that young when you're like thriving in your career and you're even the term you hear it all the time over 30 like over like no one says over 20 it's always like over 30 that's when it starts and you're like I mean, everyone in their 30s looks incredible. Like, what are we doing? What is this over? Like, even these over the hill. It's like, fuck you. Like, at 40 or 45 or 50, I mean, like, you're killing it. Like, you're doing it all. You're you're healthy and you're, well, hopefully you're healthy. And you have so much, you're, you're more financially stable than you were in your 20s. There's so much to gain with age that it would be really nice if we started seeing age as like a badge of honor versus uh, like a depreciation of worth. I completely agree. I mean, I think we're talking about something else that's just generally cultural, which men are also a part of, which is not necessarily the looks thing, but like America is obsessed with youth. You know, Forbes, 30 under 30. Yeah. Oh, this uh, artist is only 25. This showrunner is only 25. This person is only 25. And once in a while that happens, but most people who are really successful, it takes them an entire lifetime. I mean, Roald Dahl was 40 when he started writing. He's my favorite writer. It's like, you know, sometimes most, life experience also informs your art. Yeah. And a lot of people that are great that make great work. I mean, Jill Soloway was at least late 40s, at least or not, if not 50, when she made Transparent. She mm-hmm. had been working for decades. So yeah. there's also something about like your craft and time and, and doubt. I mean, she's like straight up like the sought after actress right now. She's on every show you could ever want to be on. Yeah. And Sharon Horgan. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. I just feel like um It's just such a, it's so, we just need to recalibrate. That's it. Okay, Mr. Pussy. Oh my God, please. (laughs) I think it's funny that why, it like later in this episode, Charlotte tries to like go on a proper date with him because she's like, I need, there's got to be more to him. And there's a very funny scene where she's talking about when she went to summer camp and she did color wars and she was like, they made a stop because it glorified warfare, um, which was very funny. And then he kind of just like is obsessed with like wanting to go down on her and he can't even focus on anything she's saying. And then he starts eating out like a fig uh, because she's like, what? You're not saying much. And it's because he's thinking about pussy because he's Mr. Pussy. You're I, I just am like, I don't know. It sounds kind of great. Like a man who like <laughs> doesn't talk and just like wants to eat you out all the time. I'm like, what's the problem? Like, why doesn't she lock this thing down and marry him? That's a great question. Get your companionship from your friends and then get everything else from Mr. Pussy. We have a mutual friend mm. who had a Mr. Pussy in her life. Yes. Oh, my God. That's right. right. She has a Mr. Pussy. Well, I don't think anymore. But No, she... no. Did. Did. Right. Passed. Passed. And it was a friend of ours who just was having unbelievable orgasms from this oral sex with this guy who's a full sociopath and absolutely undateable. And it was really funny because it was a full Mr. Pussy situation because she would talk to other women and they'd be like, oh, "Oh." yeah, he went down on me. 
Yeah, and she yeah. was saying that she almost wishes that she could like loan him out to people that are like going through like a rough patch or yeah. like almost like a gift for like Hanukkah for yeah. friends. It was just like so hilarious. I, I, I completely forgot about but that. It was also, I forgot that we know a real. I've also met him. Of so course, I, we know him. Yeah, he's used the mouth that he eats pussy with to smile at me and say, hello, Jamie. Good to see you. <laughs> I also have to say that's incredible. But I also have to say, I don't know if this is a thing, but in the show and this guy, they're also like the most bizarre, like odd personalities. Yeah. And also I would say maybe uh, a genius is always going to have a little bit of a quirky personality. I mean, a master. He is a master at his craft. <laughs> he doesn't live he's with honestly, the mortals. He's honestly a pussy prodigy. I mean, it, it's such a specific skill I almost that he want, possesses. I want him to like live in a glass castle and just be fed like the finest foods and then just get released like for an hour a day. Oh my God. He's just like fattened up like a chicken with like corn and like <laughs> feed. And he's just like on an elliptical to make sure that like everything yeah, like, like he's they constantly strap being hooked him to up. A because he has to be in like top like physical condition to get the pussy eating job done. I think when the matriarchy takes over and women rule the world, those men are going to be the only people that like science has like we have to learn how to like make people live no, forever. And it's just those guys. That guy, that the one that we know he and also he I believe is a personal trainer as well, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And he's very fit. And uh, <laughs> and it is very hilarious because it's like he's just like burpees for pussy like I mean, he's just amazing. fucking amazing yeah squats for pussy <sighs> getting back to our episode after the party carrie goes on a series of first dates to prove miranda wrong that not all single men over 30 are freaks unfortunately the experiment does not yield great results on date number one carrie meets up with a documentary film producer who turns out to be a money hungry jerk her next date is with a seemingly nice guy who flips on a dime when he screams at some strangers standing behind them in line for the movie the third date is with a handsome broker named Max. It's all very promising until Carrie catches him stealing from a bookstore. Oy vey. While Carrie is going on one crap date after another, Charlotte is living it up with Mr. Pussy. After coming harder than she ever has in her life and seven times in a row on Friday, Charlotte is officially a Mr. Pussy believer. But not everyone is having a soaking wet good time. Carrie wanders the city depressed, pondering her singledom when she meets a charming stranger named Named Benjamin. After commiserating about bad dates, they decide to go on a non-date dinner with each other. Across town, Samantha bumps into a friend who looks amazing. Turns out she's had plastic surgery. Feeling insecure that a man accurately guessed her age, Samantha decides it's time to get the fat from her ass implanted into her face, 90s style. A week later, the gals get together for some good wine and hot goss. Whatever happened to aging gracefully? It got old. I gotta go. Meeting Mitch at my apartment. Ooh, so how is he? He is amazing. He makes me so happy. I think we have a real chance at a future together. You and Mr. Pussy. His name is Mitchell. Hang on, honey. You don't fall in love with Mr. Pussy. You enjoy him and then set him free. To Samantha, Charlotte had committed the ultimate sin. She was bogarting Mr. Pussy. He's a freak. Aside from technique, what do you even know about the guy? Do you even talk? Do you even fuck? Stop it. Sweetie Miranda has a point. I mean, have you guys had dinner together? Have you seen a play? Anything? No. But we, we could. 
You know what? I think you've fallen into the sex haze. You know, where the sex is really great and then you start acting like a crazy person. Then you start to imagine the relationship is something it's not. Charlotte's not having a relationship. She's having multiple orgasms. Ah, love this clip. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean... I, I just think Charlotte has such tunnel vision for marriage that she tries to reverse fit like square peg round hole yes. every man she meets into this like could he be the one could he be the one could he be the one and it's like most of them are not the one that's why it's called the one that's true so I think her mentality is very exhausting must be if that were a real person that is an exhausting way to sort of approach dating because the expectations, I think that is relatable that I think everybody I was thinking, is unfortunately I'm like, fuck, I totally no, no, do no. that. No, I think it's the most relatable, but as you see it play out on a, on a screen in a narrative form, it's kind of a nice reminder of like, Oh yeah. Dating, you can't live is, like this. Yeah. dating is really hard because of that, because everybody is kind of searching for something special. And so many people are not special. Well, this guy is very special. Honestly, he's the most special. He loves pussy. Really interesting that you say that, actually, that Charlotte and you're completely right. Charlotte is obsessed. She's cartoonishly obsessed with marriage in this way that kind of allows a viewer to be like, wow, that's so crazy. But if I'm honest with myself, when I go on dates with guys, I'm I went on a good date recently, but I was tallying in my head and I was realizing I was being judgmental and I had a good time with him. I like him. We're going out again. But like. I realized I was like, okay, points for that. No points for that. Could I live with this long term? Wow. And I mean, that's yeah. kind of crazy. But like, I find it relatable, but also something to work on for all women. I don't think men do this as much. But I think for all women, something we need to do that Jamie pointed out is when you're going on dates at any age, just fucking chill a little. Don't be so judgmental. Or try to. I mean, it's not the the point. The reason I say that, I think it's much easier said than done. But I think that uh, it's not going to change the outcome. Like this is I mean, it's true in life, too. Like anxiety and worry do not change the outcome. It's we we have those things as a result of feeling like it's it's a form of productivity to live in an anxious state or live in a state of worry Worrying is helping it in some feels way like it's it feels active because it is active it's very time consuming it's emotionally draining it has a lot of the same effects that working really hard has so you feel like you've accomplished something in stressing and uh trying to predict and all these sort of like active states of worry when really it changes nothing it doesn't result in what you think it's going to result in and it has a really negative effect on your health and uh your mental well-being so I, I i feel for charlotte very much in this episode because i definitely see my dating self in her yeah for sure it's also funny we've talked about this throughout the pod and it's becoming sharper and sharper but one thing that's cool about this show is yes these women are archetypes but they're not thinly drawn they're actually complex because as much as charlotte is portrayed and wants to think of herself as this waspy preppy good girl she's edgy whether she likes it or not like an actual prude wouldn't have a week-long oral no, sex relationship absolutely she's not. kinkier than you know even us saying oh charlotte's a prude when she's 
wants to be the prude one, but she's not. She she tried to have a threesome. She's like letting this guy go down on her s- seven times a day. It's like, it's, yeah, she's, she's open. not who she think. You know, she's more than what she seems. No, and she's also she's she's very uh, conflicted. She's like maybe arguably the most conflicted character Ooh. because she has a way of uh, wanting to come across a certain way, but even in this episode. I, I can't remember if it was this episode. No, it's a later episode. Sorry. But there's a, there's a scene where Charlotte says fuck and everyone's like, ooh, Charlotte said, said fuck. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, like Charlotte would say fuck. Like Charlotte's not a prude. Charlotte wishes she was a prude. Yeah, I agree. Which is what's what what which is why the show's so well written and why. It has such staying power and why 20 years later you and I are talking about it. Exactly. Okay, so. Wait, can I ask a couple questions? Oh, please, questions? please. Go, go. Um, here's a question about the sex haze. Mm-hmm. We've all been in a sex haze. Sure. In a- most good relationships, the first six months to a year is a sex haze. Yeah. Um, how do you know the difference between being in a sex haze and being in an actual relationship? Oh, because in a good relationship, you should be in a sex haze, I think. I think it takes like a couple of months usually, but I'd say around month three, if I'm coming up with kind of my own fake hard, fast rule, which I don't have, but I'll pretend I have for brevity's sake. uh, Yeah, I'd say around month three, you can pretty much tell if it's a sex haze or if there's something more there. Because Amy Schumer jokes on one of her specials or maybe even a movie train wreck. Yeah, maybe the movie train wreck. She's like, you don't marry the guy you have the best sex with. That that guy's in jail right now. Yeah, that's a very funny joke. And uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's a funny joke. I don't I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's a rule, but yeah, you can have great sex with a good partner. I fully understand what she's saying. I totally get what she's saying. Well, I do have to say that the the guy I hooked up with with like the best moves of that I've ever had is a famous musician. Mm. And like literally the first time we hooked up, he was like licking my armpit, like things I had like yeah. only seen in like Italian movies. Yeah, only a famous mu- musician <laughs> sticks his tongue in your armpit. On the first date, I'm yeah. like, you don't even know what's going on in there. Like it's probably like Tom's deodorant of Maine that doesn't work. Yeah, that's very funny. And also, yeah, I think that that, that type of person um it's nice when someone ma- like I think that like for example Mr. Pussy I think he he's someone that he's very like body positive pro woman obviously in a lot of ways um yeah there's something like kind of cool about him totally and uh I like the, the you know there's obviously a lot of like sh- women have a lot of like vagina shame and he clearly is like what what shame it's literally like the perfect entity like what's wrong with the vagina like it's perfect I want to be in it constantly I should I could have used a Mr. Pussy in high school and college yeah I think everyone I mean honestly our friend who had a Mr. Pussy like yeah shout out to that guy like (laughs) great work Yeah, you guys are doing God's work if you're a Mr. if you're if you know a Mr. Pussy if you're listening and you are a Mr. Pussy tell him you love him Thank you for what you do. Thank call you for your, your service. Instead of call your mom, call your Mr. Pussy. Yeah, and just, tell me you love him. Yeah, and just say, hey, man, thanks. Yeah, thanks for your service. Um, okay, so after Charlotte's sex haze intervention, Carrie organizes a double date for her and Miranda to show her that not all men are freaks. Unfortunately, the date backfires when Miranda's date turns out to be a total D-bag. Yikes. Are there no good men left? Apparently, there's at least one, and Carrie's having sex with him. Meanwhile, Charlotte is on a no-sex dinner date with Mr. Pussy to see if they have 
anything in common. They do not, and it's obvious, and Charlotte snaps out of her sex haze. But that doesn't stop Mr. Pussy from trying to seduce her by egregiously sexually molesting a fig with his tongue. If that sentence sounds weird, wait until you see the scene. Surprise, surprise. After having sex with Ben, Carrie realizes she really likes him and gets super attached and weird. Tale as old as time. When they wake up together the next morning, Ben has to run to a soccer game and asks Carrie to wait for him in the apartment until he gets back. When Ben leaves, Carrie instantly becomes a psycho stalker and goes through his entire apartment looking for some kind of clue that he's a freak. She finally discovers a mysterious box in the closet and right as she's about to open it, Ben comes home and busts her. The relationship ends that second, and Carrie leaves his apartment upset and humiliated. That was the day I came face to face with my freak, the frightening woman whose fear ate her sanity. The truth is, it isn't just the men, it's all of us. Anyone who's single in Manhattan gets a little freaked out from time to time. But we keep trying, because you have to figure, if the world's fattest twins can find love, there's hope for all of us. Somewhere out there is another little freak who will love us, understand us, and kiss our three heads and make it all better. And in the meantime, we always have Manhattan. Also, I love that in the 90s, it was like perfectly okay to fat shame. Oh, yeah. She's like, if fat people can find love, you can, too. I know. It's way too acceptable in this episode. Um, so why why do you think Carrie became such a freak in this scene? Well, I really love this scene because it's very easy to watch this show, or maybe people who don't watch this show assume that it's a bunch of women just complaining about men, and sometimes they do. But what I like about this scene is, yeah, there's some jaded people like Miranda that are like, oh, men are freaks, and sometimes they think that too. But I like this scene because it takes ownership of them. It's like, well, women are too. We're yeah. all freaks. And I think that's really important is because men have a certain stereotypical way of showing their freak being avoidant, running away, ghosting, that's cheating. There's like the stereotypical buckets, but then there's the stereotypical buckets of women being freaks, being obsessive, stalking, clinging, needy, overattached, all things that Carrie does. Yeah. So, I mean, I can relate to this as someone with anxious attachment style. I mean, I've never gone through anybody's stuff and I never would, but I understand the insecurity that fuels that. Um, yeah, especially she's coming off of her relationship with Big and I think that that has uh, had point. an impact on the way she's dating. She's constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. She meets this guy and he's very even keel, seems like a steady Eddie and in the bedroom um, the night before this scene happened he was like, well, I do have one kind of freaky thing about me and she's like, oh my God, here it comes and then it's just that he got like a bad tattoo Which when he was so a teenager. Hilarious. It's very funny. He has a Tweety Bird tattoo. I mean, honestly, that is enough for me to feel a little turned off if I'm being completely honest. But but I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide because uh, he seems like a nice dude. But anyways, uh, the fact that she's just like, there has to be something wrong with you. And I have too much anxiety and and no time to waste. So I'm not going to wait for the other shoe to drop in a few months. I just want it to drop right now so I can get over the heartbreak that could occur when I like whatever, find out some secret about this guy. So I think that that to me is relatable because um, I've definitely been in situations where I'm like, yeah, this is going a little too well. Like what's fucked up about this person? And then I do become obsessive about how there's nothing that fucked up about them. And then I'm just annoyed. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I also 
also think that's a really accurate read of the situation. And when you were talking, it started making me think that there's something tricky about dating in your 30s. There's good things about it. You know yourself more. But the older you are, the more experiences you have and the quicker you can be to judge someone. Oh, well, you know, last relationship, this happened. And, you know, two relationships after that, this happened. So this is clearly going to happen. You can get a little you can get a little impatient. Oh, well, he did this. So fuck him. I think that the the thing that's really important for women in their 30s dating or women who've had a lot of dating experiences is to calm down and let whoever you're seeing be their own person and not put all your past shit onto them. Let them be their own experience, you know? Yeah, it's so easy to like, especially you're, when you're getting to know someone, there are so many blanks that need to be filled in that can only be filled in with time yes, and really getting really to know to all of their nooks and crannies and the intricacies of their personality. Like, there's just no way to fast track that. And also, by the way, if you do feel like you fast track that, that person like might not be stable. Like you, if everything's coming out all at once, that's not a good sign either. Like there is something nice about getting to know someone slowly and like you both slowly start letting your guard down together. Yes. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. With that. And I, I just think, uh, yeah, I've lost my train of thought, to be honest. Yeah. I think that <laughs> something that does happen if you've been single for a while, like Carrie is like you just start to get so neurotic about stuff and and I think it's easier to sabotage relationships like she sabotaged this. Um, and I think sometimes when you're used to something like she's just used to being single. Being in a relationship in a good relationship to me, the thing that's the hardest thing about that is it requires patience. Things don't happen exactly on the same frame. It's not like you get everything you want. Like you got to chill a little. You have to compromise. You have to. You know, okay, this fight we're having, it might take a, a week for me to get over it. It's, yeah. And I think when you've been single for a while, you're just used to being on your own. So you're just like, oh, this uncomfortable thing happened. Fuck it. I'm just out. It's like so easy to just go out. And I think that she's just sabotaging relationships because she's just not used to the the hardest thing about being in a relationship is. You have to calm down a little. You have to take some time. It's so hard. And there's so much anxiety going into a new relationship because you don't know the outcome. You don't know if it's going to end well or if it's going to be brutal or if you're going to be heartbroken and not even be able to like get up in the morning. Like you just don't know what you're signing up for emotionally. And it's it's a big uh, there's a lot of risk. There's reward, but there's risk. Yeah. It's like it's this ironic thing where it's like so many people who complain about being single. Oh, I really want to be in a relationship. They actually do things like this thing that Carrie did. It's like people can want things and be sabotaging themselves the entire time. The one thing I will say, and I, 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 I this is more of a writing thing that I'm noticing with the show because the show is always introducing new archetypes, like Mr. Pussy's an archetype. That's true. Um, like you know, guy who screams at people behind him in line is an archetype. This guy, the nothing wrong with him guy, is an archetype. They end every relationship kind of the same. It's always like Carrie does one thing and that's it. He's done. Like he, you know, there was never a conversation of like, and I understand why they do it. It's it's a TV show. It's not real, but there is something interesting about like. You know, whatever. She goes through his apartment. She finds this box. He shows her that nothing incriminating is in the box. It's like, you know, like trinkets from his old like Cub Scout days or whatever. And then he's like, and to think I I liked you. I thought you were a normal one. It's like, well, 
I think in reality, there could be a conversation of like, look, I know it's super fucked up that I ransacked your apartment. I totally understand if you never want to see me again. That's definitely like a red flag for sure, because who knows if you can trust me or if I can trust you, to be honest. And but also like I'm a person and I've been scorned and um, I'm wondering if you'll give me a second chance. Like there's never that conversation. It's always just like a thing happens and then that guy's done and we never see him again. You know what? I hate to tell you, but I think you're the MVP of this episode. You are you dropping hate to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this. It disgusts me. Well, for my own ego, but you are dropping some really, really thoughtful, really good wisdom because you said something really important, which is like. Yes, we're being really hard. We're, we're talking about Carrie right now. We're judging her. We're saying she's being a freak. But I think you have a point here. It's everything we're saying. Just like she's judging people and ticking boxes. He is too. Because, yes. Because everyone has red flags. Your partner who you love has red flags. You have red flags. Because oh, we're yeah. not perfect. I'm mostly a red flag. I'm a big <laughs> flappy, floppy, red waving flag. I've got some flags here and there. They're not hard to spot. But like the truth is that. I'm DTF down to flag. <laughs> I think you're right, too, in that, like, yes, Carrie made a mistake, as we all do. Carrie let her emotions run away with her, as we all do. But is it an unforgivable offense? I don't know. I I think you have a nice read on it, which is that, okay, she acted like a freak, but some might also say that he was impulsive to say, you did one thing that upset me, and I'm never speaking to you again. Then it's, yeah. That's pretty harsh. Yeah, it's like, and then we're returning the kitten to the pound. It's just kind of like, I don't know. I just feel like, in general, it would be fun if I could, like, whatever, work on the show. If the show were to, I hope it comes back, honestly. Well, we all, maybe we have to revive it. I mean, I think that that is one thing I would want to change, is that one of these times, someone does something fucked up, and then it still works out. At least for a little bit. At least for more than one episode. I literally hate... I guess that is the Aiden storyline a little bit, but cheating is different than like something kind of quirky and personality driven. I was going to say not to be a devil's advocate, but I do kind of feel like even her relationship with big, cause she does freaky weird things with him and he does forgive her. Like that's true. I do think showing up at the church and oh, spying yeah, with the mom. Yeah. That's a version of going through someone's yeah, stuff. Yeah, And also there's there. That's also interesting. Cause there are actually several trust storylines. Um, even in just season one, season two, remember Miranda, uh, like goes through that one guy's stuff and like finds his porn. Like this is definitely a theme that they're playing with of like, I've heard of women doing stuff yeah. like this. I have friends have that have gone through their boyfriend's phones and stuff. I've never done anything like that. I do have to say, even though I completely agree with your point that just because someone crosses a line or does something fucked up, it doesn't mean you should dump them. While we were talking, I was trying to imagine how I would feel if a guy was at my house who I've been dating for a month and like read my diary or something. I'd be I don't know if I could forgive that because uh, that would feel like pretty intense. Oh, yeah. I mean, as you said it, I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely not. But then I'm also like, I don't know. Give her a chance. It's just a box. <laughs> my mom used to tell just me a box with Cub Scout stuff. Right. My mom used to say you could leave your diary open in your room and I would never read it, which made me feel really good. Yeah, like, it's really I, nice. I would never. So. So ultimately, overall, I think we're completely on the same page. But then I just try to put myself in that situation. For some reason, I think. This is not uh, PC, but I do think women are maybe a little more go through his phone jealous about things than men. Is that fair? Is that crazy? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't have the stats to back it up, but I will say that, you know, if someone has been 
I think it's I think it's person to person because if someone has been cheated on, they might they're be on high be, alert. They're going to be on high alert because that think? is the ultimate trust breaking. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say, and in line with what you're saying, this may be a little gendered, but like there does feel like something unsettling if a man goes through a woman's place 100%. without her there, and it feels more innocuous and more. That's I, interesting. Again, it feels gendered, and maybe I'm totally no, no, no. Off base but you're right. Like, it just feels different with yeah. if a woman were to do it versus a man doing 100%. it. Yeah. Like, I wonder why. I well, I honestly feel like it's just like creepy, aggressive male, yep. stuff. like all the stuff that's tied up in like men, like abuse, violent, domestic yeah, abuse, terrible, terrible things. Really, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, so. I agree with you. I think that's a good point. Okay, guys. Uh, we're moving on to the question of the episode. Apparently, the men in the dating world had devolved since the last time I visited. Maybe Miranda was right. Maybe they should never have outlawed freak shows because at least then the freaks were rounded up in one place. Now they're out there among us roaming free. Is it true? Are all men freaks? Okay, shout out to Jenny Bix and the director of this episode. Yeah. Because this... Uh, the the freak show theme, the music, the way it's directed, I thought it was really fun. I loved the gimmick. Me too. I thought it was a really great framework for yeah, this really episode. Creative. Yeah, and it kind of felt like a bottle episode, even though it wasn't, and it totally structurally was in line with every other episode. The music really did a lot of heavy lifting, to be honest. The circus music went a long way, and those shots, those like close-up shots. Of, I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was great. The one thing I will say, this is a little bit of a side note, um, this is a nerdy writer thing, and I don't know if you guys felt this way, but... Usually all like this, the theme of this episode is like freaks and Carrie dates a bunch of freaks and then becomes a freak. Uh, Mr. Pussy's kind of a freak. Miranda goes on a date with a freak. And then Samantha's storyline is that she's aging. I kind of thought that was like a weird C or D story because everything else is completely about this theme. Just just something food. I don't know. Yeah. And um, Did did it come out to you at all? Did that? Yeah, I I think that I think that my takeaway for this episode is that everybody's a freak and it's just about I and, and she says it basically like you're fine you're trying to find your freak. Like people bring a lot of um you know, you can't really check your past at the door when you're entering a new thing as much as we sort of try to compartmentalize and deal with it on our own. It's impossible to not bring baggage and I think that baggage is a form of freakdom. Yeah, I agree. So the question, are all men freaks, Jamie? What do you say? Absolutely. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah, because all people are freaks. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the the nice thing about this episode and Carrie realizing that she's a freak is ever anyone who's single out there or even people who are partners and partnered up. Maybe the lesson of this episode is like, don't be so hard on people, the person you're with, yourself, because we're kind of all fucked up and we're trying to figure it out. Agreed. I concur. I love that. Okay, guys. Final segment of the episode. I'm horny for... Sex and City is obviously a very horny show, so we end each episode by sharing what we're currently horny for. Jamie, what are you horny for right now? Um, I'm horny for this makeup that I discovered. Um, you know that store that we love at the Line Hotel, Paquetto? Oh, obsessed. Okay, so there's a there's a hotel in Los Angeles called the Line Hotel. They have a store downstairs um, in the lobby called Paquetto, and they have like just a couple of very cool curated um, sort of like beauty beauty and yeah beauty products i would say um it's a very like minimalist store but um they have this line there called noto n-o-t-o and they make some 
serums and oils, um, but they also have this thing called a multi-bene stain pot. And uh, it's like a... It's uh, just like an all-in-one little... It looks like a Carmex. It's like a tiny little pot. And I bought like the red tone one. They have a couple of different colors. But um, maybe only two colors, actually, which is also cool because they only have two options. But um, it's like a stain for your lips, your cheeks, your eyes. And I am obsessed with it. I use it every day on every part of my face. And um, yeah. And it's like a very ethical line, um, all natural. And um, yeah, it's just... I like everything about it. I really, really recommend it. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're only going to use a couple of products, like this should be one of them. Fabulous. Yeah. I'm gonna check it out. What are you horny for? Um, I'm horny for a movie from the nineties that is now available to watch on Netflix called Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh my God. I love that movie. It is a perfect film. I just watched it You've recently. You've never seen it before? Oh my God. I saw it in the theater with my mom. Um, there is a type of film that is tailored to me, which is just like a severely campy, obviously written by a gay man. Actually, this was written by a woman, but I'm thinking of like John Waters' films like Serial Mom and stuff and The Amazingly True Adventures of a Cheerleader Murdering Mom with uh, Helen. I can't think of her last name, but this is one of those kinds of movies that is so over the top, so fucked up and hilarious. Really rare to see a movie like that. Uh there, is, there are problematic things in it. It was made in the 90s. Uh, there's a, They use this word retarded. There's a quote retarded character. I don't use that word in my life. Uh, and that is actually disturbing to watch. I have a close friend and I have dated somebody with a mentally disabled family member. And it's really egregious and gross. But like the long duck dong character in 16 Candles, if you can overlook that or contextualize I mean, it for the every time movie in the 90s is horrendous Deep. in some way yes but apart from that it's hilarious and actually and female driven female driven really funny uh kristen stewart no kristen kirsten dunst kirsten dunst is hysterical uh kirstie alley's amazing everyone's great and also, uh, I went to Sundance this year and saw an amazing, hysterical, campy, weird movie that's very much in that vein called Greener Grass by Jocelyn DeBoer yeah. and, and Don Luby. Yeah. And it's exciting to see that there are women in our generation who are carrying the torch for this like extremely fucked up, bizarre. If you have an off sense of humor and you like stuff that's really weird, as I do, you will love this movie. So also it's about like it, it's a great satire about beauty pageants and the small town impact they have. And yeah, it's just like yeah. a really hilarious take. This is like pre toddlers and tiaras, like that whole yeah. sort of kookiness. And yeah, it's really fun it's to watch. It's not PC, but there's a character who was like last year's reigning queen. Who's like super anorexic. And Kirsten Dunst is like brushing her hair and just like all the hair comes out and they have to like wheel her out to like accept an award. And she's wearing this like curly wig. And it's just honestly so fucked it's up. It's so fucked up. It's yeah. I yeah, mean, it's, great it's a movie. must watch. It's a must watch. Okay, anyway, love you. That was fun. Okay, love you. You know what I like about this pod? It started Ooh. with crying and ended with laughing. Oh, silver lining. Okay, bye, guys. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help But Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. Oh, <laughs>
This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarchet. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. <laughs>